The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, and thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. During the corona pandemic, 33 states and the District of Columbia have closed public schools. That's about 32.5 million public school students at home. When we add babies, toddlers, and parents who are now working from home, life gets complicated. In this show, our guest, Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg, psychologist and the author of The Tantrum Survival Guide, returns to Psych Up Live to answer the questions that many parents have been holding. How will my children remember this time in their lives? Will it be experienced as traumatic? How can I help my child cope while I juggle my job, the pets, and decontaminating the mail? Is there really a way to build my child's resilience at a time like this? Dr. Hirschberg is a clinical psychologist who juggles her own little sons in addition to her work. She is the founder of Little House Calls Psychological Services, which specializes in helping kids and parents confronting a range of common early childhood challenges. She's led leadership positions at nonprofit organizations and at a hospital-based infant and toddler preventive mental health program. She has taught in the Department of Pediatrics at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She's published widely, including Parents.com, Today Parents, and has been featured at a guest, as a guest on several podcasts, in addition to Psych Up Live, WAMC Public Radio, and Good Day Wake Up. Her first book, which we discussed on an earlier podcast, The Tantrum Survival Guide, Tune Into Your Toddler's Mind and Your Own to Calm the Craziness and Make Family Fun Again, is a mix of expertise and her own sense of humor. Dr. Hirschberg, it is my pleasure to welcome you back to Psych Up Live. Thank you so much, Sue. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here, especially during such a difficult time for so many families. Absolutely. So let let me give you a little vignette. Um, You have a four-year-old little guy who's on his scooter going through around the rooms. You have a six-year-old who loves art, who is sitting on the rug on the living room floor coloring. And you decide, let me just flip Uh, the news on for a minute and see what's going on and you hear about the number of deaths in the nursing homes and you just say oh my god how could that happen and both of your children stop and look up and your little guy says mommy what 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 Where, where do we go with this um, well, before I say where we go, I'll say what we are um, tempted to do usually, um, which is we're tempted to say, oh, nothing, honey, you know, <laughs> oh, nothing, honey, I just read something. Um, don't, don't worry about it. And then our little ones, and I have a four and a six-year-old myself, so you chose your ages wisely. Um, <laughs> but then they say, no, but what? why do you say that? Why do you say that? And they just can't let it go. And then we get irritated because we feel like we're being backed into a corner. And we say, it was nothing. It was nothing. Um, and then we've created a rupture where, where none need be. So that's kind of the, the first thing I would say before saying what we should do, which is, to calmly respond, oh, I just read something that surprised me. Or you could even say that I found a little bit upsetting. And if they say what, you can say it was about the coronavirus and just how how difficult it is for some people or how, you know, again, these germs are just getting everywhere. Or, you know, some, I wouldn't mention death in that moment. I wouldn't mention, you know, people getting horribly sick. But I think by now, hopefully, four- and six-year-olds understand that this is a difficult and a strange time. And if they don't, we can talk about how to share that with them. But it's 
important for this to be kind of an ongoing dialogue. And in the anecdote that you shared, um, you know, it's not ideal because it sounds like you said something accidentally at a time that you weren't prepared to have the conversation. Um, and certainly, ideally, we realize we have our little ones around and we plan um, more intentionally. But if if we make a mistake, which every single parent, including myself, is doing all the time right now, <laughs> then um, then it's important to just go with it and just to say calmly and in a not panicked way, oh, I just read something that was upsetting about the coronavirus. And, mm-hmm. you know, pause, leave it. They may say, oh, and keep scooting and keep drawing. That may be all they needed to know. Again, I think the trick is to answer calmly and confidently because they're going to pick up much more on your affect and your energy than they are on the content. And so no matter what you say, if you say it nervously, they're going to feel nervous. Now, one of the things you mentioned, let's expand this a little in your wonderful blogs, um, is if a youngster, whatever age, keeps asking the same question, Rebecca, over and over, but 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 what? Do you, but how do we get rid of the germs? And are the germs in my room? And what should we do with the germs? And if they let's suppose they keep asking about the germs over and over again, what do we do in those cases? How do we read that behavior? That's a very good question. Um, so young kids ask questions over and over again when they are doing what's called reassurance seeking. And reassurance seeking is something that we all do when we are anxious. And it means what it sounds like it means. We are seeking reassurance. I am known to seek reassurance around 10 at night when I'm getting (laughs) ready for bed. And I will, you know, say to my husband, you know, we're going to be okay, right? You know, everything's going to be okay, right? (laughs) And because I'm an adult, I know that he doesn't know the answer, but I'm looking for reassurance. I'm looking for someone whom I love and trust to simply kind of say, yes, we're going to be okay. And so when kids ask questions over and over again, that's what they're doing. And we as parents sometimes miss that and we go right for the content and we kind of answer their question over and over again, or we get frustrated. We just talked about germs. We just talked about germs. Germs are fine. Or you're fine. You know, and and we get annoyed. They're asking again. And I think the trick is to pivot and to tell our kids that we understand why they're asking. Sweetie, this is the fourth time that you've asked about germs in really a short amount of time. I think you're feeling a little worried about germs. Here's what I do when I'm feeling worried. I boss back worry in my head. And I say, I'm not going to let you tell me I have to think about this all the time. And I'm going to get into my body. And I'm going to do some jumping jacks. Or I'm going to take three deep breaths. And you approach it um, targeting the emotional piece of it and the reassurance-seeking piece of it and not the sort of logical content piece of it. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, well, and you've also given the youngster, in terms of resilience, uh, somewhat of a strategy. We're going to talk back to Mr. Worry. We're going to jump off the worry. Um, and I think a lot of ch- children would respond to it. Otherwise, you're caught in a loop that you can't get out of by just simply reassuring a little one who's not ready to be reassured. Right, Exactly. Uh, it's it's a it's an interesting piece, and I guess I want parents to know you know your children, and if you th- look at the questions and the behavior as indicating more of the message, often it's going to become clearer to you. And what I'm liking is that you're somehow building in a way for them to handle it. Let's move from that. Yeah, and that's the- go, ahead. go ahead, Rebecca. No, I was going to say that's that's the key. If there's one thing to keep in mind about childhood anxiety, whether it's during this time or or even more generally, it's exactly that. It's that the message has to be, you can handle this, and I am here to handle it with you, as opposed to, oh, that's nothing to be afraid of, or in the case of COVID-19, that is something potentially to be afraid of. It's more about the feeling of worry. The feeling of worry is so unpleasant 
and you can handle it. And I will sit next to you while you handle it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, a, that's how we build resilience in our kids. Mm. Now, what's come through to me in the last week is a similarity between children and adults. That is, many people have had it with the quarantine, with the social distancing, as much as we all do know this is the way to stay safe and save each other's lives, the children are saying, but when, when is Will coming for the play date? And so when I have my birthday next week, are we going to have the jumping castle outside like you did for Joni? That is, they are wondering... What's happened, and is it going to finally change? So my question is, how do we handle the children who are upfront about it? And then I'm going to give you some cases where children are saying nothing, but it's clear that they're not so happy. So what do we say sure. when we're ready for the play dates and the birthday jumping castle? I think there's two things to keep in mind in those situations when our children are explicitly making clear that they're done with this and they want to go back to life as it was before. The first is we need to be honest with them. Um, uh, I was speaking with a family recently, and they said that they, you know, needed to cancel their four-year-old's birthday party at whatever play space they had rented out, but they hadn't told her yet. And they were asking me when was the right time to tell her. And I said, as soon as possible, because we don't want to keep secrets from our kids, and this is the reality that we're in right now. So if your child says, Are we going to have the bouncy castle? The answer is no. If your child says, when is this going to be over? The answer is, I don't know. Um, But then there's other things that we can say to sort of couch that. So I don't know, but there are so many people working on it right now. And as soon as it's safe for us to go back and do the things we used to do, we're going to do them. But right now, I don't know when that's going to be. And then the second piece is to... Join them with where they're feeling, to meet them where they're at, and to say, I know, it's so frustrating. I'm done with it, too, right? I think parents a lot of times want to fix their children's difficult experiences or difficult emotions, Um, and so they come in with, oh, but look at it this way. We're going to have the most fun birthday ever in our living room. It's going to be amazing, And, and kids can't get there unless you first let them have space to feel disappointed and sad that it's not what they wanted. They might Mm -hmm. get there, um, but they might not. And either way, it's not for you to push them along because then they're going to feel as though you don't get them. You don't get Mm -hmm. what they're feeling. You don't get what they're going through. And that is actually the, the riskiest thing we can do right now. Um, is to, is to sever or really rupture that parent child connection. So I think, and, and it shouldn't be, frankly, too much of a stretch. I mean, I think all of us are done with this and and, and miserable and ready for it to go. <laughs> so mm-hmm. empathizing with our kids in that regard, you know, will come pretty naturally, I think, to many. Okay, so I had two cases um, described to me. In one case, we're dealing with a 10-year-old little boy his older bro- who has older brothers, and this is the athlete little boy. And so he excelled and loved the schoolyard, the street, the teams, it all. He stopped talking a week ago. And um, when the family says, um, Jack, are you okay, Jack? Yeah. Um, so so you want to play um, a, a video game with Sam? Nope. So the in both cases, it's interesting. It's the grandmothers who have spoken to me because they've picked up a different change in affect Um, from this little boy. The other case is a kindergarten little girl who has gone somewhat quiet and seems not to know how to talk about much in her animated way and doesn't even seem to be going near her favorite toys. So either case, Rebecca, where, where do we start with this? We know there's something going on and we know it's quite possibly related to the loss of connection that both have. They're not sophisticated. They're not ready to start jumping online with friends. What what would you do if you were the mother of the little boy, the athlete? Yeah, I I think that um, often 
you know, when we ask our kids questions, are you okay? Is something wrong? Um, two things happen. One is they don't know how to put into words how they're feeling. Um, and so it becomes this kind of high pressure conversation. Number two, depending on the family environment and what's going on, I think kids know the right answer. They know that they're supposed to say everything's okay or they're supposed to be good. Um, because if they say that they're not, parents will really try to cheer them up or, um, again, fix things for them. And so I think where I would start with this little boy, with the, the boy who's athletic and missing those things, is really just to um, be really nurturing in my approach and soft and short. And I would use statements instead of questions. And I would model some of the ways that I'm feeling in an authentic way. And I kind of, the analogy that I use for this is kind of you're throwing a pebble into a pond and you're seeing if it takes, and it may not take right in that moment, but you are communicating so much. You're communicating that everyone is having a hard time. You're communicating that it's okay to feel things that are not just happy and okay. You're communicating that it's okay to express some of these feelings. So I might say something, not necessarily when we're face-to-face at dinner, because again, kids can feel on the spot, but maybe when we're not making eye contact, when I'm, you know, loading the dishwasher and, you know, he's there kind of sitting at the table or, you know, something like that and just say, you know, I'm having kind of a tough morning. I really miss my friends. I really miss speaking to my friends more. And I know I can do it over the phone and online, but I just miss going out to dinner with my friends. And then you stop talking and you kind of see what he says. And again, he may say nothing. He may just walk out of the room, but you have communicated. It's okay to feel this way. And it's okay to share these things. Um, And I think that's where I would begin, frankly, in both cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one of the things, um, we're going to have to take a break, that that for little ones that you often write about is playing out the situation and using play as a arena for expressing what a child or even a little one does not yet have words for. Right. So, so in other words, I would, I think if I was following your guideline and I might, my style too would be to set up the dolls and have one of the dolls say, we got to be able to do something here. I'm bored. And have the bear say, wait a minute, I have an idea. Um, I, I think those of us who have done play therapy have seen how it unfolds from that. That's not what every parent can do, but there's something even to just sit down next to a little one who's playing and whisper, what did the bear want? In which case, they get the feeling, you want to play with me. So I think companionship in whatever either of them was doing, whether it was the puzzle or the dolls, is another way to respond to what you think is loneliness. At a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And again, it's kind of meeting them where they are in this low pressure way. Play, you know, for the little ones is extremely important. Um, creative play, imaginary play, um, again, it's not always possible right now. Parents are incredibly stretched. Um, but to the extent that you can build it in even a little bit, and as you said, with no, you know, no pressure, no like, hey, let's play, let's do something fun, but just sort of casually and calmly sitting next to your child, even if you're just watching, can right. be so soothing for them because you're not on your phone and you're not asking them to do something. You're just sitting there and holding space with them and for them. And I've seen kids whose whole nervous system just kind of relaxes simply in a parent's calm and warm presence. We're going to stop right there. I love how you said that. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We have with us today Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg. She's a psychologist and the author of the terrific book, The Tantrum Survival Guide. She's responding and we're talking about the needs of parents and children during this COVID pandemic. What's realistic? How do we foster resilience? Stay with us. Much more to come. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. There are many innocent people who are found guilty of crimes that they did not commit. Join criminal defense investigator Jeff Stein for Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? Each show, we'll discuss the problem, and it is a problem. The fact that because of incompetent investigations and a poor judicial system, anybody can become a victim. Can we fix this? Tune in to find out. You can listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg. We're talking about dealing with children during the COVID pandemic. So, Rebecca, one of the things that we both need but is a, a bane to our existence are the phones. And I mentioned there are so many people working at home, but little did they realize, did, did any of us realize how complicated this could be at times? We've got young school-aged children watching videos that teachers are compelled to send them. There's worksheets that go with them. The parent is really on the phone for work but keeps pulling away to check on the kids. And the kids get increasingly frustrated when the mom or dad gets pulled away. And the parents get increasingly anxious as they can't respond to the call they were supposed to. So this is a kind of no-win situation. It's a difficult question. Any suggestions I think people would welcome? Yeah, I mean, for sure, that that story is so familiar um, in, in my own house as well. <laughs> um, I'm going to start broad and then, and then get more specific. The broad suggestion um, is to lower your expectations. Um, which may sound like a cop-out, but I think it's really important. I think people are wrongly using the terms homeschool and working from home. We are not doing either of those things. We are quarantine schooling our kids, and we are working from home during a global crisis when we are not allowed to go outside. <laughs> right, <laughs> which is to right. say that we are, we are in a global, you know, in a global and collective trauma right now. And so the idea that we should just be able to continue as usual being productive at work and being um, wonderful, kind, caring parents and then teachers on top of it, it's, it's just too much and it's not feasible. And I know that there are certain, unfortunately, certain schools and certain bosses in work environments that don't get that. But I think to the extent we can um, again, collectively lower our expectations of ourselves even. Um, I had a parent the other day tell me that she had done something horrible by um, giving her child her iPad before school even started, you know, before they even woke up, that she gave her iPad first thing in the morning just so that mom could get more sleep. And she was so embarrassed to tell me this. And I said, oh my gosh, I, of course you do that. I do that. So many people do that. And she mm -hmm. said, well, why don't people admit it? And I said, because unfortunately we don't, 
we don't admit those things to each other and we need to. Um, so that's my first recommendation is to recognize we're all cutting corners where we need to. We are not getting all of the worksheets done. <laughs> um, we are not watching all the videos that are being sent. And, and again, just to go easy on yourself. The more specific answer to your question is that kids right now really need two things to the extent possible. One is predictability and two is connection um, with you, with their caregivers. And that's, Obviously, those are the two things that are being um, that are that are being ruptured. Kind of when those situations happen, when we get pulled away on a call that we're not expecting, and when we are doing work with our kids or even playing with our kids, and then suddenly can't do that. So, as far as staying connected to your child, I wrote a blog post I think just yesterday. Although I have no sense of time anymore, it might have been the day before. <laughs> Um, about ways of staying connected to your child, even when you're super busy. So things like wearing the same shirt, wearing a bracelet that your child made you out of beads, um, things that um, connect you, wearing matching fake tattoos of Paw Patrol or Frozen 2. Kids love stuff like that. So even mm -hmm. when I get pulled away on a phone call, sweetie, I'm going to be looking at my Elsa tattoo on my hand, knowing that you have one too, and that we're connected through Frozen, even though we're doing <laughs> different things. Great. Kids love things like that. Um, yes. and, then, and then the next in terms of predictability is just to let kids know when you sit down to do their work, I might get pulled away by a call. And if that happens, I'm not going to like it. I wish I could just, you know, bury my phone right now, but unfortunately I have to do it. And so let's, when I get that call, let's come up with a code word that means, oh, I'm so annoyed. I wish I could stay here with you, but I have to go do this. And again, it's just, it's coping ahead. It's giving a child a sense that this might happen and that you're going to stay connected and everybody's going to be able to handle it. Mm. Well, one thing you had in this wonderful blog that I've even used with my grandchildren is children love getting notes in envelopes. So if you have ahead of time the note in the envelope that says, oh, no, I had to leave, but I really am thinking about you and I'll be coming back for a hug. There's a connection, even though you couldn't stay and they couldn't have you stay. That is, you had such you, you said make many videos or plan a certain hug time at another time. But I think your ideas are, and children will suspend reality to use symbols. They really will. And they almost love. Mm -hmm. Or if as soon as you're on the phone, boom, that's treasure hunt time. That means there's something hidden in that room. Go for it. So you know, if there's, <laughs> you need backup. You need loads of backup because you're being asked, as you said at the beginning, Rebecca, to do something impossible, to parent your children, to guide their education, and to hold down a full-time job in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, exactly. it's really, and, it's and insanity. And what I've been saying out loud, um, what I've been saying out loud, which is another thing I think it's just important to give airtime to, is I'm not a very good teacher. I'm not a good teacher. I wasn't trained to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a teacher. And so I'm not very good at it. And that is expected. If you were expected to be a teacher, you might be a teacher. And if you're a teacher, you're probably too worried presenting remote learning to your students than to right. your own child. So that's a problem. And, you yes. know, even professional teachers are struggling. Um, but the expectation that we should know how to do this and know how to do this well we have to let go of because it's a lo as you said it's a losing proposition. One one thing that that to pick up on what you're saying in terms of predictability or dealing with the uncertainty of the whole thing, people speak about routines. Routines are really great. Sometimes they don't always hold. So the question is, how do we have sort of flo floating routines to go into when and if? <laughs> doing what we plan to do doesn't happen or no longer happens. I think that's the whole idea of backup. But as as we're saying this, let's go back to the kids again and talk a little bit about how they are handling the situation and what they are telling us with their behavior, Rebecca. So, I mean, you speak about, maybe we could talk a little bit about Expecting your kid to surprise you. You think they're getting what you're saying. They're not getting it. Expect them to regress somewhat. 
um, let's talk a little bit about some of the behaviors and how to read them. Sure. Um, so regressions right now are incredibly frequent, um, and we can really look at brain science for the reason there when it comes to, to this stuff. And basically, we have a finite amount of brain power. And when we've just learned a new skill, so for a child, it might be um, toileting, it might be um, full sentences in terms of learning to speak, it might be something with regard to emotion regulation. And those neural connections are somewhat new because that's sort of the most recently developed skill. And then suddenly everything gets turned on its head and our child's usual structures and routines aren't there. And they're not going to school and they're not seeing their friends and the nanny that they were really attached to is no longer coming. And maybe someone they know is sick in the hospital and or mom and dad are super distracted. Whatever it is, suddenly there's a lot of stress and we have to or the child has to devote resources, brain resources to just keeping it all together, just sort of staying you know, with both feet on the ground and keeping their bearings during this newly stressful time. And so the first thing that's going to go is that newly developed skill. Right. Um, because suddenly that brain power is needed for something else. And that really makes sense in terms of, you know, survival and, and evolution. And so we're seeing our kids lose the skills that we thought that they had. And a lot of parents are getting really concerned. Oh my goodness, my child who has you know, hasn't wet his bed in two years is suddenly wetting his bed or, you know, my child is speaking baby talk or whatever it is. And it's no reason to, um, it's not a five alarm fire. It, it is a sign that your child is experiencing some stress, but I've got news for you. Your child is experiencing some stress. <laughs> we know that <laughs> this is a stressful time. We're all in it together. And that's just a sign that if you can swing it or figure out how to swing it, your child needs some more support. Behaviors like defiance, irritability, not listening. Um, kids are trying to exert control right now in a world that feels really out of their control. They're mad. Things that they were really looking forward to are being canceled. Um, and I think Again, you mentioned earlier kind of viewing all of kids' behavior as communication um, because they are communicating their feelings with us. Very few kids are going to come out and say using sophisticated verbal language that they are stressed, that they are worried, that they miss things about their life before. But a lot of kids are going to show us that through their behavior, and we have to respond similarly with compassion, with empathy, um, it doesn't mean giving up all limits, um, but it does mean that the normal, the, the strategies we might use some of the time for coming down on a child about a particular incident or tone of voice, um, which may not work super well anyway, certainly are going to work even less right now. Mm. One of the common times of the meltdowns and maybe a time to read is bedtime when as you say in one of your examples and I've seen this in living color we can't find the perfect frozen pajamas which means there's no way I'm sleeping without my Elsa pajamas and there's they're not here and then I can't sleep or where is my Elsa toothbrush or where is his Paw Patrol pajamas and I mean so when when you're at your wits end and she's not going to sleep without the Elsa pajamas which you know are in the wash where are we going with this I think we have to keep in mind that it's not about the pajamas it's it's frankly never about the pajamas (laughs) I would argue Um, but particularly right now when our kids get really fixated um, and really kind of quote-unquote rigid about something that they want it's really about again this overall feeling that everything is different I just want something to go my way everything feels yucky nothing is right make it better Um, and I would frankly to keep it simple go in for a hug in those moments, I, I wrote, I think the example you're referring to, I've been in the pajama situation, but um, more recently I was in a gummies, a gummies battle with my four-year-old. We didn't have the right gummies. And, um, and I made the, the rookie mistake of trying to offer different gummies and different kind of snacks. And what if we had the fruit roll up or what if we had this? And I, you know, he was, he was getting progressively more frustrated um, 
further into a meltdown. And it took me longer than I'm proud of to realize he just needed me to sit next to him and say, oh, none of these gummies feel right. We just don't have the ones that are the exact ones you want. And that stinks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he put my head on his lap and he put his hat, his head on my lap um, and was able to take a deep breath. And then, you know, I gave him a hug and then sure enough, and I promise this is true. I'm not, you know, putting a silver lining on it because I'm on the radio, <laughs> but sure <laughs> enough, a few minutes later, he was able to, to adjust and have one of the gummies that had been so wrong. Um, and so if you take that approach again, chances are your child will get back into a zone of regulation and be able to wear a different pair of pajamas. But so to argue me. about the pajamas and get, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, sometimes the family can have a way to just step out of dysregulation. Remember in the Blues Brothers, like it, it was you have to take a road trip. And with some families, it's, okay, forget it. We have to make popcorn. And now with phones, if a family has a certain song, some sort of dance party song, is sometimes if everyone's just completely dysregulated, someone can say, all right, we got to do a dance party. And even if it's for five minutes or three minutes, suddenly we shift the set. Um, because, and then Absolutely. there's a way it's to, a reset. to get it's out of it. Yes. yes, it's a way to get out of it. And it works. I, I'm, I mean, it, it worked with teens back in the day. Um, okay, we got to put on a movie and make popcorn. We're going nowhere with this. And it would be fine, just like your little guy eventually came back. So, you know, we're you don't Absolutely. have to do great big things, but, you know, just doing some things. The one thing that um, you say, and we, we have a few minutes to break, is also that crying is okay. Crying, it, it's just a normal thing. It does, it's not the end of the world. It's not meaning you failed as a parent. And sometimes crying makes sense under the circumstances. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, with my own kids recently, when they're crying, I've sort of just been taking a chance of let it out. Mm-hmm. You know, just let it out. And and in particular, what I've noticed about my kids, I haven't written about this yet, although I probably will, is that they're actually crying more when they get um, physically hurt. Not that mm. they're getting physically hurt all that much, but, you know, we've been, we live in the suburbs, so we've been scooting a little bit on our street, and they'll fall and, you know, bang their knee scooting, or they're two little boys, so they'll be, you know, playing with something, and one of them will bump their head on something else, and 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 then the reaction is huge, you know, this real cry. Wow. And interesting. Um, at first, it was sort of taking me by surprise, and then I realized I think there's cry there. You know, there's it's like when we hear a sad song, and we start crying, and then we say, "Wow, I guess I I guess I really needed to cry. I'm glad that song came on." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, crying is a form of energy, and it and it and when it gets stored up. Um, it needs to come out. And so if our kids are crying, not only is it okay, but it can actually be really positive. It can be a really positive cathartic release. And if you can, again, just kind of sit there and show them that it's not too much for you, it's not too big for you, it doesn't scare you, it doesn't bother you, that can be an incredibly comforting role for you to play. Mm. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg, psychologist and the author of The Trauma Survival Guide. She's helping us respond to the needs of parents and children during the COVID pandemic. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you are working on your path to enlightenment, may we suggest another guide point to help you get there? It's Soul Healing Conversations with your host, Roz Kincaid. Roz and her guests are making this show a safe place to find balance, healing, and transformation. You'll learn how to manifest the best version of your life. Make sure you join Roz every week for Soul Healing Conversations, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. 
hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg, and we've been talking about helping parents and children at this difficult time of the pandemic. So one of the things that you write about, um, Rebecca, is when you all of a sudden decide, okay, let, let me be a great parent. Let me really think this through. And you pick a puzzle, and you pick a, a movie, you find something that you know they'll love, and they wake up, and you have breakfast, and you actually have a little time, and you say, guess what we're going to do, guys? And you show them, and they have absolutely no interest in that. They're not doing that. And you don't know whether to scream because of all the time you put into this, or whether something's wrong with you as a parent, or whether something's wrong with them as kids. So help us in terms of parent self-judgment and the kind of discrepancy that sometimes happens between us thinking this they will love when they're really not interested. Yeah, I mean, there's so many rich things (laughs) to talk about in there. The first is just the very first thing you said um, when you say to yourself, you know, oh, I'm really going to be a great parent with this. Stop right there. (laughs) Because (laughs) those are inevitably the times um, that don't end up going going the way that you thought. And there's a wonderful expression. I did not make it up. I think um, it may actually come from the 12-step world, um, which is that expectations are resentments under construction. Right. It's so great. basically, if you are expecting that some activity is just going to be absolutely a win with your kids, and then it's not, you feel resentful. And the problem is not that they weren't into the activity, it's that you expected they would be. And we have no control over other people's reactions. And although we certainly know our kids better than anybody else does, we don't know them as well as themselves, as as well as they do, whatever the grammar is right. But I think that our kids are also, um, especially if they're young kids, they're not predictable. And just because they don't love a puzzle at a particular moment doesn't mean they won't love it two hours later. But I think the other thing to remember is, again, back to the planning stage, when you say, I'm going to be a great parent, I'm going to do the best activity ever, I'm going to take them. I know for me, it was learning that there were all these live cams at various um, zoos around the country, and my kids are really into animals, so I thought that was going to be a big win. And they couldn't care less. They just <laughs> couldn't care less about these these zoo, you know, things. And um it's also realizing that our reserves are really limited right now. And so if you do have that precious hour after breakfast to sort of be a parent, it's okay to turn that hour into a half an hour and take a half an hour to yourself and just breathe or slow down or not necessarily take the time to prep an amazing activity, but just sit with your kids and do the same activity. Because if it's the same activity, chances are it's an activity that they love which is why they do it so often. So again, we right. to really keep our expectations in check. There's such a tendency, uh, you talk about it, to assume all the other parents in the world have this down and that you must be one of the worst. We do this to ourselves. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And that there's either something wrong with our kids or there's something wrong with us. It can't just be that this is the way life is right now. Because, Mm. you know, if that were the case, there wouldn't be all these amazing pictures on social media and there wouldn't be all these people posting their color-coded, you know, half an hour by half an hour lessons they're planning for their kids. Um, Social media is not a real view right now of what life is like. When I say to when I say um, to people, Rebecca, when they say, but there are pictures of them doing this with kids that I say they're brochures. Have you ever seen brochures and then gone to the hotel? So be aware FaceTime has some real benefits, but there's quite a bit of brochures on FaceTime that can make you yeah, feel not yeah, okay. What when, I say, um, <laughs> go ahead. I say you can't compare your outtakes with other people's highlight reels. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one too. That's good. So it's the same thing because yeah, we don't post. We don't post our and, and again, just we we have to treat ourselves with compassion right now. And there's so much research showing that self compassion is actually one of the most important predictors of happiness and well being, particularly during difficult times. And if people are familiar yes. with Kristen Neff's work, um, but even just something simple like putting your hand on your heart um, when you notice yourself going down that kind of shame spiral, just that gesture can be very powerful. Um, The other thing I want to mention is that research shows that um, the number one thing we can do right now to help our kids from interpreting this time as traumatic is to connect with them, to have this, you know, what separates kids who are resilient from kids who have long-term negative outcomes after, after um, natural disasters or traumas um, is the connection that they have with an emotionally tuned in and available caregiver. So on the one hand, I've found that with parents, that's a relief because they say, oh, okay, so it doesn't matter how many new apps I download or, you know, what academics we get done. And then they turn and they say, oh, but wait, oh my gosh, that is a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's all on me. And so the other piece of research that I share is that actually um, various experiments and science over time have found that what makes a really um, strong parent-child connection is this idea of rupture and repair. There's going to be a whole lot of ruptures, times when you're not in sync, but the point is that then you come back into sync. And if you are in sync only 30% of the time, you are in that category of parents who are considered to be emotionally available and tuned into your kids, which means you can blow it 70% of the time (laughs) and still Mm -hmm. be the person that's going to help your child get through this time. The, the, uh, I love that you're saying that. And one of the things I wanted to share, which is I found uh, many, many years ago is that if you have things to do, children are very up for joining in. So we're going to dust something. We all have dust rags. If we're going to make the beds or take all the linens off, okay, okay, guys, pull it from your end. That is, children can be with you. And it doesn't have to have to be a child-oriented task. Very often, they are, they are very thrilled to, to separate laundry and throw it into a washing machine. They love pulling it out of the dryer. That is, you can be get, getting things done in this ridiculous crunch that we're all in, and they could be part of it. Uh, um, and whether it's cooking or it, or it can also be cleaning, very often they're really into it. Absolutely, and very often those are learning opportunities. Parents say, oh my gosh, my child won't sit down and do his or her learning, um, but my child loves to cook. Great. You can learn all about fractions. Um, when you're looking at a measuring cup, you, can, you know, there's all kinds of ways to build learning, quote unquote, into everyday life, leaving alone the fact that kids learn most through play and unstructured activities anyway. Mm-hmm. And usually if there are more than one adult in the house, every one of those people usually do something different in the house in terms of care. So that gives children a wide opportunity if they are spending a little time with everybody to really get very good at many different tasks. Now, um, I wanted to ask you if there's any particular take-home message that you want to give to our parents out there who are juggling their jobs and their little ones and the the whole atmosphere of pandemic that we're facing. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's anything I haven't said. I would say, please, please be gentle on yourselves. 
If you are listening to this podcast, your children are lucky to have you, (laughs) Um, by definition. Um, And also that there's a lot of people out there who are providing support, Um, you know, and that it it is a time to think about reaching out for support, if not to your usual network, then to a professional, because this really is a collective trauma. And if you are feeling it in very real ways, you're not alone and you're not weak you are responding to the incredible difficult, incredibly difficult circumstances that we're in. And so not to be ashamed of that in any way. I'm glad you're reminding us to, to share that. Remember, there are teletherapy services being offered through psychology today, through people like Rebecca. That is, you don't have to leave home to get support at this point. It's, it's there to find from, um, as I say, the American Psychological Association, the American Group Psychological Association. So there's lots of options to find. Um, Rebecca, I want to thank you um, for all that you write and your wonderful examples with your wonderful little guys and your husband. I want to thank you for your book, but mostly thanks for joining us back here on Psych Up Live to really help us pass along any wisdom to parents that will fuel the resilience they have and the resilience that they're passing on to their children. So thanks so much again for joining me. It's my absolute pleasure, Sue. Thank you for having me. I'm more than happy to come back anytime. It's an honor. Great. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast by 6 p.m. Eastern. This will be a podcast on my host site, the Voice America website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, even Alexa can get this for you. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please be safe, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.